Hello and welcome to the SOT Radio Network. I'm your host today, Erica. It is March 11th, 2016. Joining us in our virtual studio from all around the world, we have Tiffany, Doug, Elliot, and Gabby. So we hey, are. Everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. <laughs> We are officially on our new radio network and coming through loud and clear. Today we're going Very to... clear. <laughs> Yay. I, I was actually impressed at how the music sounded. I hadn't actually heard it that clear before. Because it usually skips. <laughs> so today, folks, we're going to be talking about has America become an idiocracy where citizens are so dumbed down that they trust the people who know the least and ridicule any sort of rational, well-read, informed knowledge? Are we creating a world of dummies through toxic junk food lifestyles exported abroad, setting an example by being self-righteous, ignorant, and deliberately gullible? We're going to delve into the details of the corporate shenanigans of Monsanto. Mm. Big Pharma. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> FDA conflicts of interest. <laughs> Sick care in America. Boo. 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 And the poisoning of our bodies with everyday products. And towards the end of the show, we hope to have some good news. Hmm. So we wanted to start off today with an article that went viral on Facebook. Over 250,000 likes. The cult of ignorance in the United States, anti-intellectualism, and the dumbing down of America. So this article actually came out on June 7, 2014, Psychology Today, and the author is Ray Williams. And it's interesting that this article received so much likes, so American... Dumbing down must be on everyone's <laughs> mind. <laughs> hmm, I wonder why that is. <laughs> anyway, the article is a, is a great read. There's lots of good quotes, and I just want to start out with a little introduction by the author. He says, there's a growing and disturbing trend of anti-intellectual elitism in American culture. It's the dismissal of science, the arts, and humanities and their replacement by entertainment, self-righteousness, ignorance, and deliberate gullibility. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting and disturbing, to say the least. And again, this is from 2014, so it's not even necessarily current, current news. But one of the things in the article that really struck me, and um, it's a journalist named Charles Pierce, and he's the author of Idiot America, he shares his perspective about the rise of idiot America today represents for profit mainly, but also, and more cynically, for political advantage in the pursuit of power, the breakdown of a consensus that the pursuit of knowledge is a good. It also represents the ascendancy of the notion that the people whom we trust the least are the people who best know what they are talking about. In the news media age, everybody is an expert. So what do you people outside of America think? Are we just a bunch of dummies? Are we exporting our stupidity abroad? 
Yes. Yeah. Please, please. End of show. <laughs> the answer is yes. Hate, hate, hate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, as somebody who lives outside of uh, the U.S., but is very close to the U.S., I can definitely see um, what what's going on there from somewhat of an outsider perspective. You know, I live in Canada, and I certainly think that it's not unique to the U.S., certainly in a lot of uh, um different venues you see that there's just as much idiocy on the part of the public in here in canada um but uh, yeah the u.s definitely seems to have uh you know they're, they're at the apex i'd say of the idiocy yeah we're one of the top exporters of dumbness mm-hmm. in the world <laughs> but the thing is you don't really in america at least or probably in other western countries you don't really even have to be smart to be able to function you can still work your little job if you don't aren't smart enough to know that you need to cook your own food, I mean, there's plenty of places to go out and go eat. Uh, mm. You can still have children. You can get married and be a complete idiot. And you don't even you know it. You live your whole life as an idiot. You are raised as an idiot. You live your life as an idiot. You die as an idiot. And you're kind of happy. Ignorance <laughs> <laughs> is bliss, maybe. <laughs> There's really no demands for any knowledge. I mean, you don't have to know how to build your own house or to hunt or provide for yourself. Everything is just given to you. I mean, you spend a little money on it, but there's no demand that you know anything. Yeah, the article says that we don't even educate people anymore in the United States. We train them to get jobs. Mm -hmm. You're trained. Yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah. Well, one thing that really stuck out for me from the article is, is in, in this article, there's several bulleted points about the uh, rising anti-intellectualism that can be found in the declining state of education in, in the U.S. compared to other advanced countries. And um, I'm just going to read two of the kind of startling statistics here. Um, one is according to a 2009 National Assessment of Education Progress, of public school children in the U.S. do not read proficiently by the time they finish the third grade. And the U.S. (laughs) News and World reported that barely 50% of students are ready for college-level reading when they graduate. It goes on to say another study in 2006 by the National Geographic Roper, nearly half of Americans between the age of 18 and 24 do not think it's necessary to know the location of other countries in which no- important news is being made. More than a third consider it not important at all uh, to know a foreign language, and only 14% consider it very important. And then one final note, according to the National Endowment for the Arts report in 1982, 82% of college graduates read novels or poems for pleasure. Two decades later, only 67% did, and more than 40% of Americans under 44 did not read a single book, fiction or nonfiction, over the course of the year. (laughs) That's really quite tragic. Yeah. I would die. Uh, Yeah. 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 If I go for a while without reading reading a book, I feel like I'm mentally deficient in some way. I guess most yeah. people like read Facebook posts or read texts 
are little snippets mm. of what people write here and there, and they don't actually read any whole articles even, let alone a book. Well, I mean, are they even capable of it? That's the other question. <laughs> I remember a long time ago, there was like a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, it made the news for a little while and then kind of disappeared. But there were all these people who were graduating high school, uh, a lot of them on like sports scholarships and things like that. And uh, they couldn't read at all. They were basically, they were unable to read. It just, it, it blows my mind how anybody could function in society without being able to read. But apparently you can yeah, you will be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because the America uh, the author talks about how in America there's this sort of um, this culture that exalts the athlete and the good-looking cheerleader, whereas mm. the people who are endowed with intelligence and who are well educated, um, they're commonly referred to as nerds or dweebs or mm. dorks or you know mm. geeks or basically harassed for being clever and being intelligent and reading. Whereas you've mm. got these jock type, um, illiterate sort of sporty individuals who, you know, gain gain the praise from from their sort of social social groups, and so I guess uh, this has happened for such a long time now that it's breeded this society where the majority of people um, are not really very well educated whatsoever, and yeah. they're proud of it. Exactly. Not only are yeah, they proud of the it, thing. like if you try to say something that challenges their beliefs, they will come after you like a rabbit dog. They will not just mm-hmm. let you be and say, oh, okay, well, I don't agree with that. They just, I don't know, they go full tarred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the idea of actually having an informed opinion isn't isn't valued anymore it's like everybody will just kind of like you know you you kind of assess what the the herd is thinking and you just go with that that's my opinion you know i I, what's your opinion on this subject well i don't actually have one yet because i haven't looked at you know haven't watched the news recently but um i'll let you know yeah the author (laughs) talks about angry dummies who feel they have the right the authority and the need not only to comment on everything but to make sure their voice is heard above the rest and drag down any opposing (laughs) views through personal attacks loud repetition and confrontation oh have we seen that before (laughs) yeah (laughs) look look at the look at the prominent figures of u.s society that you know you've got like donald trump Hillary Clinton, <laughs> Kim Kardashian. I mean, these are individuals that people are supposed to be uh, are supposed to look up to. You know, yeah. it, it's really quite appalling, and I think it says a lot about the general state of um, of the of the people living in the U.S. and how how much it's degraded in such a short mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah, I'd like I mean, to denounce my citizenship right now. <laughs> 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 I don't know if you remember this, Erica, since you're a fellow American. But back in the 80s, there was this campaign, like how reading was so important. The the slogan was reading is fundamental. And they had the guy from Reading Rainbow that used to be on Star Trek with the banana (laughs) visor. (laughs) I forget what his name is. But that we had all these posters in our library about how reading was so important. Reading is fundamental. And there is like no way I would expect to see anything like that these days saying that it's important to read and learn stuff. I agree, 100%. And it's a, it's almost yeah. an, an, an intentional way of doing that, you know, like uh, the education system is, is really just so dumbed down. And John Taylor Gatto, if any of our listeners are interested, has a website extensively devoted 
to the dumbing down of America. And, and uh, it's really quite disturbing because he likes to lay out a lot of facts. And he's speaking from experience. He's been a public and private school teacher for 30 years. And so it's just, again, creating dummies, creating people that um, are clueless, you know, and uh, don't really engage much in critical thought other than what they're fed via media or the computer, you know, Internet, memes. I think it, a lot of it is is just emulating what they see too. You know, if you look, if you watch any kind of um, news show, like you know Fox News or something like that, I mean, what's emphasized over and over again is not, you know, they don't. It, the person who gets heard or their whose opinion is valued is the person who shouts the loudest, right? Who's able to, uh, you know, verbally beat down the opposition, not because their points are actually, um, you know, valuable in any way. It's just who's the loudest, who can interrupt better. I mean, that, that, you know, that if that's what you're emulating, then it's kind of like, well, I don't need to, you know, be well read or anything like that. I just need to shout loudest. Yeah. Yeah, that's why watching things like CNN or Fox News when they have those panel discussions, it's just the most annoying (laughs) thing because they're just screaming over each other. And then they say, oh, we only have 10 seconds left. I'm like, why can't you devote more time to such an important topic? Why do you have to (laughs) scram it down until one minute and make everybody scream and shout? And then you go and talk about Kim Kardashian next. Why can't you just have more time to flush it out intellectually? They need to have their advertisers, you know, it's really just the padding in between all the different advertisements. So (laughs) that's the priority. But yeah, I've even seen um, that. I, I, watching RT, even um, you know, I've watched a couple of uh, of things where they have more than uh, one kind of guest on who have uh, varying opinions, and even it, it even like you know bleeds over into that venue as well. Although you know RT is generally higher quality, but um, you know sometimes you just like you, they'll have a guest on who just you know insists on just interrupting and um, just shouting loudly their their point of view rather than uh, even letting the other person speak. And I I can't watch it. I actually end up turning it off. I just can't can't deal with it. It's too painful. It is painful. Yeah. It's Who annoying. wants to listen to a blowhard? You know what I mean? Like I I want to hear both points. I want to hear what you know other sides of the issue. You know you can't you know win your argument. I mean obviously you can. That's the problem. But uh, you know the idea that you can win your argument by not even letting the other point be heard is just ridiculous. It's like I want to hear. I want to have both sides. I want to hear what what uh, other people's takes are on it. Yeah, and even yeah. if I fall firmly on one side, I'm still willing to listen to the other side just to see how they present their case. I'm not gonna like yeah. scream and shout. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, and how they use long-winded statements. I can't think off the top of my head what uh, Donald Trump has said because I make a point to try and not listen to him, but. Uh, you know, they, when they answer a question, well, you know, they, they, it's like a whole bunch of non-words. <laughs> Low word <Yeah>. density. They're <laughs> yeah. just talking, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really Very mean anything. Content. They're just no taking content up space involved. and time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trump even says he's got big words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. I think it was... I just got big words. John Oliver pointed out that the biggest word in that sentence was words. <laughs> he has a lot of words. <laughs> oh, I got words. <laughs> Should see my words. 
Well, kind of carrying on with this discussion, we had another article that we wanted to uh, cover, and it's called Terminal Apathy in Junk Food, What Rats Say About America, The Rat Race. And uh, mm. this was carried on March 1st, 2016, uh, by Brent Tylee and... Um, I just want to start off with a, a quote that, that's, that starts the article by Aristotle. Tolerance and apathy are the last virtues of a dying society. Mm. And so uh, in the introduction, they uh, talk about the cause of national apathy, apathy and how Americans are evidently psychologically and socially similar to the junk food addicted laboratory rat. Uh, we tolerate repressive environments while confined against their will in a maze. In the natural desire to escape and find freedom like the afflicted rat, Americans passively accept their confinement, acquiescing without struggle to the life of controlled stimulation and manipulation by all manner of drugs, tests, and mandated choice of direction. In a country Mm -hmm. objectively descending into chaos, why don't Americans care? And the study was carried out at the University of California, Los Angeles, where they tested rats and um, junk food addiction. Any comments? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty bang on to me. Yeah, so basically the cause of national apathy seems to be clear, as shown in the results from the UCLA study. It's the food. Processes, processed, adulterated adjunct-laden, GMO-filled junk food, the preferred and almost unavoidable daily diet of Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. would even I wonder if most people even know that they are in a cage or trapped in a maze. Like the rats, I don't know if they were wild before. They probably weren't. But do they even know that they're in a cage? Do most Americans know they're in a cage? I mean, you have to wake up to a certain extent to know that you're pretty much trapped in a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think that most people know. It's like, no. you know, it, they don't make the connection. Like, you will not give Coca-Cola, like, Coke to a plant because it dies. But they are willingly to drink it, you know, mm-hmm. and think that it's okay. And then they just wonder, why am I sick? Or... They don't even wonder that, maybe. No, because no, their doctor told them it's your genetics. No, it's genetics. Sorry. Luck of the draw. Yeah, what you eat doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. No. No. As long as you get a few well, electrolytes. <laughs> Brondo. Got electrolytes. It's what's good for you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, I, I um, probably stupidly uh, decided to uh, take a look at uh, a discussion that was happening on Facebook that was rather um, heated. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny because these are people who clearly do value um, intellectual ideas, intellectual pursuits, and they all think of themselves as being very clever and very smart. But they were arguing over such ridiculous points like it just was stuff that did not matter and it's it's really funny because um you know it just made me think of this article about the rats in the maze it's kind of like they're in the maze and they don't kind of have the awareness that they're in the maze 
and you know they're arguing over what color the maze should be painted or something along those <laughs> lines like it really it just it just maybe like i i was just astonished um it actually affected me quite a bit i was kind of like a little bit put off by it and kind of like how can these people like, these are people who i grew up with who i kind of was more you know had respect for their opinions on, on some level and i'm just kind of like i can't believe that this is this is what people are arguing over it, you know when when you know if you take a one like a brief look at the objective state of the world, you just realize how little this matters. And I don't know if that can be tied into the food and what they're eating, but it's just so effective at turning people away from what really matters. Yeah, and that's what they studied here, you know, um, this idea of uh, junk food, you know, causing obesity. But what they found was that it subsequently causes laziness and fatigue. So uh, combined, the political cousin of these two symptoms is apathy. Yeah, yeah. He goes on to um, he goes on to say, uh, when considered carefully, apathy, American apathy, is a serious crime, a crime against humanity. The checks and balances by humans on empire are per- permissively missing um, in empirical America. Americans are thus complicit in further further daily destruction of the remaining world they wish to know little about. When Mm. the dust on the the oncoming rampage of history has settled over the folly of this American empire, guilt for its accumulated horrors will sit squarely on the American people's heads as as much as the shoulders of the obviously treasonous politicians. Yeah. So basically, the 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 sheer ignorance and this um this lack of knowledge and lack of even wanting any knowledge, um which is so prominent in America, uh, and coupled with the atrocities that America or companies that are based in America have been committing for the past hundred years, um soon it's it's going to come down. But the the only way that it can be sort of facilitated is is through through this apathy and it's interesting that this was shown in rats as well is that if you feed a rat on a on a very low quality diet then it inevitably um demonstrates apathy Mm -hmm. it kind of brings to mind the uh the idea of uh responsibility too how we're all responsible you know, that you can't just kind of like, I, I don't want to deal with that and just kind of not think about it, that these these things, when it, when it really comes down to it, we're all going to be held responsible for, for what goes down. So, you know, what is your part? What are you doing? Um, you know, and yeah, the food obviously like has a lot to do with it. But I mean, that that's, you know, getting out of that state of apathy and actually valuing um, the right things. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it just... I don't know. It, it, that, that quote just made me think of that, that, you know, we, we all have a responsibility. I mean, you've been given this life. What are you doing with it? Are you just uh, eating, engaging in mindless debates and then dying? Or do you actually, you know, are you, are you, you know, evaluating things and trying to make a difference? Just give me another Big Mac. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on, on, the, on, the subject of, um, on the subject of Big Macs, there was um, one part of this this article that really did make me laugh and it was quite quite disturbing as well. Um, uh, there's a professor at King's College in London 
And um, he basically conducted a sort of informal study and his son was enlisted to um, to partake in the study. And basically what this study consisted of was um, the, the, the son would eat nothing but Big Macs, chicken nuggets, uh, fries and Coca-Cola from McDonald's mm. um, for an entire week. Anyway, <laughs> right. OK, so <laughs> um, what the son reported was that he felt good for three days. OK, and then he slowly started to go downhill. Uh, he became more lethargic. And then after a week, by the time a week had gone by, um, his his friends had observed that his skin had taken on a strange gray color. <laughs> now, yeah, now, now, now at this time, he said that he felt really unwell. And um, and they did tests on his gut at Cornell University. And the findings were really quite amazing. Um what 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 the university actually showed was that after eating that diet for a week and that's only a week he'd actually lost about 1400 types of bacteria which is constitutes oh. about 40% of the bacteria in his gut um huh. and that 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 was literally just from eating it for one week mm. and now i see people and i know people who you know who eat a lot of mcdonald's and that's every single week um and you know when you put it into this context it, it's really hard to imagine the damage that these guys are actually causing to their bodies just from eating this stuff um mm. and it also raises the question as to how is this stuff still in the food supply you know like <laughs> how how are people still eating this stuff because <laughs> america says it's good that's it <laughs> 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 well, it just because goes to show how still people eat it. They created demand for it, so they're going to keep producing it. If nobody ate it, then <laughs> McDonald's would disappear. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows how people are willing to trade off convenience for actual health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like, we're so far removed from the idea that the food that you eat has anything to do with your general health or ability to think, put together two <laughs> coherent thoughts. Like, it, it just, you know, oh, it's convenient. I can just, I don't even have to get out of my car to get McDonald's. <laughs> and well, we consider- on that note, the, there was an article uh, published yesterday. It gives some interesting statistics, like huge chunk of the American diet is ultra-processed foods, and that's a term I never heard before, ultra-processed as opposed to processed. And it says that more than half of all calories consumed in the United States come from ultra-processed foods. And this is like stuff that you guys are talking about, soft drinks, you know, snacks, packaged baked goods, chicken or fish nuggets, and reconstituted meat products, and instant noodles and soups. It cannot be considered food, and yet this is what most people are eating. Mm-hmm. What was interesting in that article is there's a video that you can watch, and it's on CBS News, which is a pretty mainstream, you know, news site. And after the the doctor explains what ultra processed foods are, just like Gabby just explained, the hosts on the sh- the news show were like. Well, I don't even have an oven, and I didn't know it didn't work for two months. And, uh, you know, I mean, basically outing themselves as being ultra-processed people. (laughs) Yeah. Ultra-processed people. Yeah. 
and then wow. laughing about it. Like, hi, I'm an idiot. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> they're allegedly journalists. They're on TV. I mean, you people think that people who go to journalism school end up t- on TV, that they're smart. You know, they're smarter wow. than the average bear. And they're saying that they eat ultra processed foods. And if you consider that the 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 gut is the second brain and it communicates with your brain through the vagus nerve. So if your gut is totally decimated because of processed foods, then your brain doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got two very good terms that we've come up with so far. There's the, what was what it? Uh, angry dummies and ultra processed people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I think that those two groups overlap quite a bit, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, well, back to this article, you know, um, Dr. Blaisdell's rats expose the fundamentals of this malady of ultra-processed people. The toxic combination <laughs> of engineered food leading to um, endemic apathy is causing a sickness inflicting Americans. Um, but also the 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 world you know mm-hmm. i mean look at look at mcdonald's uh being exported places like you know europe and canada mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. thailand yeah. you know southeast asia mm-hmm. he goes on to say that america's diet is factually the worst in the industrialized world gmo mm-hmm. ingredients are in 85% of all processed foods not that this processed food is of any acceptable quality <laughs> yeah yeah what's funny is that the people who say like you might be having a conversation about how fast food is terrible and they say uh, oh god i can't stand mcdonald's oh i'll never go there i go to arby's <laughs> <laughs> i like burger king <laughs> big macs are gross get me a whopper <laughs> What do they call that? Brand loyalty? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Again, they're just arguing for what color the paint should be on the walls of the cage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think you make a really good point, uh, Tiff, about the the gut bacteria. Like, you know, more and more research is being put into this. It's a really, like, cutting-edge area of, of study right now is how important the microbiome is and you know just even like a lot of the effects of eating this fast food on a regular basis that we see like people gaining weight and like you know their personalities become kind of duller and uh you know they they take on this apathy a lot of that could actually be attributed to the microbiome and like you know how healthy the bacteria the bacterial environment is in your digestive tract so, I mean, you know, as more and more research comes out about this, we start to start to really connect the dots on how terrible it is to actually be eating something that that has an effect on your microbiome. Yeah, and in the article they talk about in Australia where they did further studies um at Deakin University and the Australia National University, they showed that junk food does indeed physiologically affect the brain's growth and development leading to wait for it poor mental health (laughs) their findings (laughs) concluded that um, a part in the brain the hippocampus has been shown to be smaller in those who consume junk food wow that's really that's related with memory and learning Mm. 
No yeah. wonder people can't um, connect the dots, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Or even want to try to connect the dots. That's, That's the it. other thing. I get they, they They don't actually have the capacity to do so. Um, no. I think what's worth is what's worse is um is with this food it's not even just like um you're eating a, a sort of nutritionally deficient food you know like you you get you get high quality nutritious food and then you get low quality nutritious food but this stuff isn't even food i mean this no. stuff has been processed so much that it's had pretty much every single pe- every single thing that's beneficial for the body taken out of it and mm-hmm. then What's even worse than that is that they have to add everything back into it. All of these um, these artificial flavorings and anti-caking agencies and, you know, um, flavors and preservatives and everything. Um, they add all these things back once all of the nutrition has been taken out of it. So it makes it even worse. Um, so it's it, consuming this food is so unnatural to the human body that it's it's. I guess I guess it's fairly natural that we're not going to be able to function when we when we consume it, you know. No. Yeah, and it doesn't even break down. I mean, there's been people who've done their own little experiments where they've kept a McDonald's hamburger or a Happy Meal or something for six years and it's still intact. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It reminds well, me of conversation. Uh, oh, I was going to say that. Sorry. It reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend, like. Um, he was showing me or offering me some pizza, and I said, "I will not even give that to my dog." You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that. I'm going to feed that back to my kids. And it's like, oh. <laughs> I don't want to hear I that. <laughs> I didn't know what to respond. It just cut me like, but literally, I would not give that to any animal. You know. <laughs> no. Seriously. No, it's interesting. I mean, the, those those kinds of chemicals and flavorings and all that kind of stuff that they put into the food, I mean, they have to do that because it's so ultra-processed. If they didn't add flavorings and things like that, you would no one would eat it. Everyone would just be like, you know, this does not taste good. This is, this is My body doesn't actually recognize this as food. So, you know, they have to, like, pump all these, like, artificial flavorings in it that actually, like, you know, just exploit our natural, um, you know uh, – systems for for determining what's edible and what isn't um and exploit it to such a degree that you uh it goes beyond what anything natural would actually taste like so of course then it's addictive um because and and it just you know without advertising i think advertising has a lot to do with it too without advertising these products and pumping it full of these artificial chemicals no one would touch it it would just not yeah. it would not even register on people's minds as a as a, a you know this is dinner it's like no, no, that is not dinner. <laughs> It'd probably be like eating cardboard or a pi- piece. Yeah, of wood. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's like a magic trick where they they trick your chemical receptors by making the food taste good, but your body knows what's what and it will respond appropriately. Yeah, it often responds by asking for more food. Yeah. you know, <laughs> like I haven't received any actual nutrition. Please eat more. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'll have another bag of Doritos. It's like, no, it's not going to cut it. Can't eat just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, your stomach is saying, stomach is saying, I'm full, I'm full, but your your brain is saying, I don't have the nutrition I need to function. So it's like you've got that conflict there. <laughs> 
Well, in, in conclusion of this article, it said that the result, which is always interesting to re- read the result, is a failing American mind. Shocker! <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> combined, combined with an ever-failing education system, this produces a population perfectly ripened for ongoing authoritarian control. I.e. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I use and big words. Is it, any <laughs> yeah. is it any wonder that he's gained the popularity he has? I mean, all you have to do is, to an unthinking mass public, all you have to do is peddle a bunch of easy answers. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's an immigration problem. Better build a wall. Oh, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Well, carrying on with our connecting the dots, um, we wanted to cover a little bit more of uh, Monsanto and Ugh. and GMO evils. Ugh. And um, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. and and I want to give a little disclaimer here, just that Monsanto is not the only producer of GMO foods. They tend to get a lot of the bad rap. You know, there's corporations like Gentech and Syngenta and and um DuPont Dow and DuPont yeah but Monsanto was in the news in the US this la- uh 3rd of March um because Congress is sneaking a new Monsanto Protection Act into the environmental bill and ironically it has nothing to do with GMOs it actually has to do with PCBs um, which are polychlorinated biphenyls. <laughs> Whatever that. Oh yeah, those. <laughs> the toxins. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, in the U.S., there's a, a Toxic Substance Control Act that was enacted in 1976, and it's was. It, trying to regulate all these toxic substances, which has obviously failed miserably. But PCBs, you know, have been a big concern, and they were actually um, outlawed or banned, I should say, by the EPA in 1979. Um, But Monsanto produced around 1.25 billion pounds of these PCBs. And... um, it's basically, for the last, you know, almost 40 years, been um, contaminating and, and wreaking havoc on human health and the environment. And for our listeners who may not know, um, PCBs were originally used in, like, insulation material, um, you know, explosives, uh, electrical equipment. Uh, they made their way into paints inks, adhesives, surface coatings, lubricants, electronics, and more. Um, They basically have been leaching into areas like the Great Lakes, so people are drinking them. Um, They're released in the air via incineration and into the water supply through municipal waste. When mounting evidence pointed towards environmental PCB contamination, um, as a cause for immune system illnesses and cancers, the EPA implemented their ban in 1979. So now with this new Toxic Substance Act, um, the question of liability is coming up, right? Because c- people are getting sick and they want to find a cause and uh, they're looking to, you know, have this bill reworked so people can have some compensation um, and, 
basically sue for damages caused by this chemical industry. And uh, in this new, um, you know, environmental bill, Monsanto has basically slipped in a little rider where they won't be held accountable. And, you know, the article goes back and forth. Well, Monsanto's denying it and Congress didn't really do it. But um, an author at the time said a critical paragraph added to the House bill in late May made sure regulatory requirements by the EPA would continue to disqualify legal claims. And it is specifically referred to the section of the 1976 Toxic Chemical Law Governing PCBs giving Monsanto clearer authority in the future to ask judges to dismiss lawsuits filed against them. Though the Toxic Substance Act is clearly outdated, it is in desperate need of reform. Monsanto claims it deserves continued protection from responsibility to clean up PCBs. Essentially, the chemical giant has thus far managed to shirk responsibility, and so it feels that it has every right to continue to do so. And didn't they say that oh, we're not responsible if the PCBs were improperly disposed of? That's their yeah. fault. We just make the stuff. <laughs> yeah. We have the freedom to pump this stuff into the environment, and what you guys do with it is your responsibility. Exactly. I'm well, and what, what's kind of interesting about this, and, and the, the anti-media actually reported on this, is reforms to the Toxic Substance Act – as they currently stand, do more to protect, uh, to do more to put the public in danger, in part by thwarting mm. states' attempts to regulate chemicals they find to be te- potentially dangerous while waiting for snail pace federal reviews to take place. So there's attorneys in California, Hawaii, Iowa, Maine, Maryland, and Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, and Oregon, Vermont, and Washington that a voice concern that controls their states have placed on the possible toxic chemicals would be deemed illegal were the legislation to pass as it is. So basically these states are looking out for their citizens, trying to get some compensation and and deal with this PCB issue and this little Monsanto writer will make it so that they don't have to, you know, pay the price for their evil doings. (laughs) As always. As always. Yeah. And that's just one of their lovely products. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of many. Yeah. I don't think you could really find a more evil company on the face of the planet. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it just, it's unbelievable. (laughs) It's like the manifestation of evil, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's, it's like... They don't even try to do anything for the betterment of humanity in any way, shape, or form, or even even to the degree that they they don't even try to uh, to do something that's innocuous. You know, everything <laughs> they do is like, how can we kill people? How can we make people sick and kill them? Oh, I know. Let's come up with this, and then we'll do this all this legal wrangling to make sure we're not held responsible. It, oh my God, I just and then anyway. we'll lie and say that our products aren't cancer or car- carcinogenic. Or carcinogenic, sorry. And then, you know, if people complain, we'll just continue to lie. If people complain some more, we'll just tell them to shut up. If people complain, we'll sue yeah. them. And then, meanwhile, we'll just keep shoving this stuff down their throats and up their vaginas, yeah. which we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's so like they want to milk it for every possible last cent they can get out of it. It's like, uh-oh, they're on to us. Keep going. Just keep denying. Keep pumping this stuff out as much as we can until we can't do it anymore. You know, I bet it was a serious blow to them when they couldn't produce their PCBs anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's like a textbook example of a typical psychopath. True. The funny thing is, well, the yeah. sad thing is, they they probably enjoy the fact that they hurt so much, so many people as well. That's the mm-hmm. sad thing, you know. It, <laughs> it's it's tragic. Yeah, and like a good psychopath, they won't let people not associate with them. They're going to force their way into every aspect of life, come hell or high water, and there's no escaping yeah. it. Well, yeah, that just gets back to the whole labeling of the GMOs thing. You know, look at how hard they're trying to to subvert this and make it so it, you, you can't have your GMOs labeled, even mm-hmm. at a state level. They want to try and label it. Nope, can't do that. That's illegal. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're suing California because they are going to try and list Roundup on its toxic chemicals list. Mm. So, uh, and California is going to mandate that you have to label uh, Roundup and other uh, toxic chemicals because they cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm. And you cannot put this stuff in the drinking water. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. But Monsanto, (laughs) for some reason, thinks it's like, no, that's not acceptable. I'm going to sue you. You can't do that to us. We're Monsanto. (laughs) Well, if the PCBs don't get you, then the glyphosate will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. You don't know it to cry or what or laugh. Yeah, but that's part <laughs> of the the transatlantic partnership, that new NAFTA or free trade agreement, where if companies uh, feel that a country is kind of damaging their profit motive, that they can sue the country or the state. Yeah. That is just <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. You're getting in the way of us making billions. We're going to sue you. <laughs> well, and it comes back to the, you know, complete apathy and ignorance of Americans in particular, because these things are going on in this country and being exported and people are being violated and killed off slowly. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you see these little... GMO labeling laws or these these little activisms and then you see like we talked about in the beginning of the show the dumb uneducated people be yelling and screaming no 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 it's sound science it's mm-hmm. you know it's all good it's fine it's substantially equivalent and all these things and it it just muddies the water and i think what happens with people is they become so overloaded with the information that they just shut down yeah yeah that uh i kind of took a look at an an older article on sot in preparation for this show um and it's all about transmarginal inhibition um it's actually just called transmarginal inhibition um laura knight yagic wrote it back in 2007 and it just basically talks about the work of um of Pavlov um, and uh, how he was doing all the, he's doing some pretty uh, nasty experiments on animals. Unfortunately, it's pretty, uh, he was kind of a nasty uh, dude. Him and B. He was, yeah, he was, (laughs) but uh, yeah, he basically was, was basically just 
know, subjecting these animals, dogs, I think it was, to um, greater and greater stressors um, and just kind of watching how long it took them to break, you know. Uh, and, you know, once they did break, it was basically like they became completely programmable. And, uh, you know, any, anything, you know, there was no resistance anymore to them being, you know, programmed to, uh, to take up, you know, whatever um, he was trying to get them to do. Um, whereas before they might have been resistant, they might have reacted violently or whatever the case may be. So it just it, it just goes to show like, you know, how how this is kind of done on a societal level to us. You know, you just keep on adding in more and more and more stress um, until you basically have a populace that's completely malleable to whatever you want them to do. Yeah. And every once in a while you get like a small set of people who protest against this or that. But they're shouted down or beaten down or targeted mm-hmm. or thrown in jail. So that sends a signal out to everybody else. Hey, you better just shut up and tell the line. Yeah. And it, even the people who are uh, more apathetic will actually react against people who are trying to speak out because mm-hmm. it's kind of they perceive them as, as rocking the boat. You know, yeah. can't you just uh, sit down and, and, you know, be passive like the rest of us? You're, you're causing problems. Their helplessness. Yeah. Fighting for their helplessness. Yeah, it's interesting, too, in the, uh, I think it was in that Terminal Apathy article, the way the guy was comparing how um, people in other company or in other countries, actually, maybe it was a cult of ignorance, um, how people in other countries will react and protest. And, like, you see these uh, protests against GMOs and farmers are getting together and protesting and, you know, uh, stamping out GMO crops and all these kinds of things. You don't see that in America. You just don't see it. Like people are not reacting whatsoever. They just are passively accepting whatever is given to them. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the diet and what people are eating. Um, It just, you know, it breeds this sense of apathy. So, so it's like the need to protest just isn't there. You know, people might talk about any American farmer protests. At no. all. Now that you mention it, None. Doug. <laughs> yeah, it makes me None. wonder because if it is so bad, you know, people are just taking it. They're just not doing anything about it. The farmers and Yeah. Yeah, just leave me alone. Let me have my flat screen TV and my McDonald's. Just let me be exactly. and my video games. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, on the topic of glyphosate, it's lovely, Mm. you know, um, I just had a blank. (laughs) (laughs) Manna from the gods. (laughs) Too much glyphosate. Yes, this gut killer. We're finding that it's not only in our food. Yeah. You know, it's it's, um, in cotton, too. And um, we're going to go there because it needs to be shared. Yeah. Tiffany's going to mm-hmm. go there. I already said vagina <laughs> once, so I'm sure I'll say vagina a few more times in this podcast. But, um, let me find my notes. Uh, okay, there was an article inside. I can't remember the date, but there was one that was out like months ago, and then a couple more came out. Oh, my God, there's a big spiral. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, tampons um, and sterile cotton sanitary pads are contaminated with glyphosate, says a new study. 
So there was a study that was conducted in Argentina where they found that 85% of tampons, cotton and sanitary products, were contaminated. And another 62% of those tested positive for AMPA, which is a glyphosate metabolite, like a breakdown product of glyphosate. Um, and they tested sterile and non-sterile cotton gauze. So you think sterile is supposed to be, you know, sterile, but, you know, 100% of it was positive. So that just comes from most of the cotton crops all over the world being genetically modified. So not only are our sanitary products, like, right in our vaginas or next to our vaginas, <laughs> are completely toxic. I mean, you have to think about your clothes also being toxic. Um, there was another study in France that they, f- they found traces of dioxin and insecticides in five out of 11 sanitary products tested. And this also included uh-huh. organic products. So even if you avoid trying to eat this stuff, every month you run the risk of having glyphosate <laughs> in your body anyway. <laughs> I mean, the worst, the worst thing as well is that the vagina, like inside the vagina, it's mainly mucous membrane. Mm-hmm. It's like yes, highly epi- absorbable. Epi- yeah, epithelial tissue that is extremely, extremely absorbable, absorbable. And it's not just like it's up against your skin. I mean, your skin's quite thick, you know. Mm-hmm. There's multiple layers to it. The vagina's not like that. And so this this is so much worse. Okay, um, ladies. I have to switch to cups. Oh, wait, that is made out of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> EPA or glyphosate, which will it be? <laughs> Choose. <Yeah. laughs> A little fl- throw some platelets in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's an organic too, so even if you get organic, they get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's going to have to go back to cups. Well, they make the plastic cups, the silicone, medical grade silicone cups, or uh, Glad rags. Sarah. Yeah. Glad rag. <laughs> Just bring back the diaper. That's <laughs> glyphosate <laughs> in it too. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, and a lot of people don't realize that cotton is actually one of the number one GMO crops. You know, it, in in all this GMO activism, they focus on soy and they focus on corn, but cotton is, is the number one. And it and people don't really think of it because we're not eating cotton. But as Tiffany mm-hmm. said, you know, it's in everything. It's in your sheets. It's in your clothes it's your furniture you know at with added flame retardants and some pcbs and um you know it's it's basically just like a a chemical cocktail overload yeah yeah it says in the article here that 96 percent of the cotton produced in the united states is genetically modified yeah. as of 2014 96 percent that might as well just yeah. be 100% because if you consider yeah, really, like yeah. the wind blowing the GMO seeds and whatever mm-hmm. onto organic crops, you might as well just say it's 100%. Yeah. Just be done with it. Don't try to soothe yourself with 4%. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find that 4%. I'll find it. But there's a group no, of it's... women in New York that are uh, suing the state. Because the state is taxing feminine hygiene products 
when they don't tax men's products like Rogaine and condoms. Hmm. But I don't, uh, considering that the products are so contaminated, I <laughs> guess it's only fair that they shouldn't be taxed. But again, it's like fighting for the color of the paint in your cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing I is, shouldn't have uh, to pay so much for my poison. Yes. <laughs> don't tax my poison, please. <laughs> this isn't uh, this isn't only affecting human beings though i mean um mm. in one of the articles about um uh, it's it's about the tampons actually and at the end of the article it talks about um speaks about glyphosate uh being in you know roundup and uh that's predominantly what they use on on these crops but it's saying that um it says the effects of biochemicals on wildlife, including pollinators such as honeybees, honeybees and monarch butterflies, are also a, po- a point of concern. Um, it says, for instance, since 1990, about 970 million of the butterflies, which is basically 90% of the total population, um, have completely vanished from the US. Mm. Um, they've just disappeared. Uh, and they think it's probably um, partly because of Roundup, but um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not only us that it's affecting; it's 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 completely decimating the whole ecosystem. And mm-hmm. I guess it's it's really a good question as to when it's all going to you know come down. <laughs> yeah. You know. Pretty soon, probably. I mean, it's yeah. those, those pollinators, you know, people are kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, butterflies, bees, they're nice. It's too bad that they're being wiped out. But those are, they are vital to the survival of the of, of the entire ecosystem. Without the pollinators, like, you know, the, our, our crops won't reproduce. Like it just yeah. it, We depend on these things. Yeah, we really see that with the bees, um, with the colony collapse disorder. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that there, there's always discussion. Oh well, it, maybe it's cell phone radiation, or maybe it's pesticides, or it's glyphosate, and um, you know it could just be a combination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. mass pollution of every aspect of your environment: your water, the land, the air, the food, everything. Yeah. 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 Well, I thought it was interesting too that they, uh, that, that the scientists who discovered this, it was actually by accident. They were looking to see how widespread, um, glyphosate was in the environment and, and they, they tested, um, I think they tested a cotton swab that was supposed to be sterile as a baseline. Kind of like, okay, well, we'll take this baseline here of, of something that doesn't have any glyphosate in it, and they discovered glyphosate in it. And they said they even, like, at that point, they were like, well, okay, let's, let's go get a different, uh, a different brand or something like that and test that one. And it's like, oh, wait, this one has glyphosate in it as well. And it's, it's kind of like that's what led to uh, their, their findings. It, it just, you know, blows your mind. You know, you think about the fact that you're using, like, a sterilized cotton swab to maybe, like, uh, help to clean a wound or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you've got open skin there and you're sitting there wiping this glyphosate right into your wound. Uh, yeah. So I have a new term, genetically modified ultra-processed dummies. <laughs> <laughs> angry, angry. You got to throw angry. angry in there. Angry 
Because uh, uh, it's it just, I mean, you have to have a sense of humor about it all or you just go and, you know, slit your wrists yeah. <laughs> and it already. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, there's no other way to approach this subject. Yeah. <laughs> because, like I said earlier, if the PCBs don't get you, then the glyphosate will. Mm-hmm. Another topic of discussion on the the high point of information being shared today is uh, an article called The Smell of Death. Study says 99,000 Europeans die each year from toxic household fumes. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, researchers in the UK found that many domestic products, including anti-insect sprays, deodorants, cleaning products contain chemicals known as VOCs, volatile organic compounds, which can cause cancer, particularly in children and elderly. Mm. So this this is what gets sprayed in non-smoking rooms. Oh boy. I don't know though. I might be willing to risk a little bit of my health just for a little air freshener. You go to a public bathroom. Sometimes you think you're lucky stars if there's a bottle of air freshener in there because it is toxic. And that gets back to what people are eating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just to, to to riff on this a little bit, Tiff. I told I, I kind of agree with you there. Although I I wish you know maybe there's some uh, like essential oil type uh, alternatives. But man, when I'm at work, sometimes I go into the bathroom. And I'm just like, what are people eating? Like, what is this? This is this smell is not you know it just shouldn't exist so on planet Earth. It's not normal. It's, it's like really something like, crawled you know, up in somebody and died. Yeah. You just got to wonder, like, what is this person thinking? It's like, oh, geez, yeah, well, I guess that's just normal. It's like, no, that's not normal. And don't you work in a health store? <laughs> yeah. 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 So maybe we should do a tour of McDonald's bathrooms and compare the two. <laughs> you, yeah, you go ahead. Confer that to Burger Kings. <laughs> I'm staying loyal to McDonald's, okay? <laughs> Pepsi or Coke, which will it be? <laughs> so anything you guys want to share on that other than the the smell of bathrooms? At the health store versus fast food chain. <laughs> well, all these fabrics and furnishings and insulations outgas formaldehyde, which is yeah. really scary because it reminds me of those trailers that they uh, fobbed off on people after Hurricane Katrina, and everybody was just going in there and getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, I mean, it's it's the same as in the cleaning products as well. Like all of these antibacterial sprays and, you know, these different uh, polishes and air fresheners, the lot. I mean, they all, they're all packed full of these toxic chemicals. And the problem is, is that um, often when they come into contact with our skin, uh, like our skin can be up to like 10 times more absorbable than our GI tract. So 
if you eat something, you may absorb only 10% of the toxicity, whereas when you put it on your skin, you can get all of it. And so, like, when you're cleaning up with this stuff, like, uh, you know, like washing up liquid. I mean, if you look at the back of the washing up liquid bottle, it's pretty bad. Mm. You know what I mean? So... I think I think this is why it's really important, if you can, just to try and limit your exposure. Even if it's just wearing some like latex gloves or something when you do, you know, when you when you clean your kitchen or whatever. Um, I know a lot of people don't do that, and I try I try to do that because I often find that my hands get really dry after touching that stuff. But I dread mm-hmm. to think what I'm actually letting in my body, you know, like directly in through my skin. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, you know, there, there, there are actually lots of alternatives that can be used for this sort of stuff. Like, I know that you can actually use ash. Uh, ash is one of the best um, one of the best things to clean dishes with. It's great with fat. I mean, when we were in India, that's what they used to use. They used to use ash, and it works really well. You can also use, uh, you can use lemon juice. You can clean with vinegar. You can use um, bicarbonate of soda. You know what I mean? So... Um, there are lots of alternatives, but I think it is really important to limit our exposure. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, going through uh, and doing kind of like a, a, a household detox, I think, is a really valuable thing to do. You know, take a look at all these products that you have under your sink, like, you know, your body care products, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just take a look at the ingredients. Um, and if you can't pronounce it or you have no idea what it is, chances are it's not very good for you, even if it says mm-hmm. natural before it. You know, um, so I think, you know, really kind of stripping things down and taking a very good look and saying, you know, what do I actually need? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, not, not all this like, you know, cosmetics and nice smells and all these kinds of stuff. Like that isn't something that you actually need. You know, take a look at what, you know, really strip things down. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I basically use, uh, bicarbonate as a deodorant. Um, I've got a natural toothpaste and, you know, that's basically it. That's pretty much my body care and, and natural soap. Like that's, that's pretty much my body care regimen. Oh, I also have a natural shaving cream, but that's like, you know, yeah. And there are natural alternatives out there. So kind of take a, take a look at what, what alternatives there are. Yes, they're more expensive, but if you're stripping down and, and, and getting rid of a lot of this other stuff, you should have a, a, a larger budget for, um, these, these things that you actually do need. And a lot and of the be, stuff you can make yourself. You can make your own shampoos, your own soap, your own cream mm-hmm. or lotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be or find somebody else who it. does. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I make my own um, my own aftershave just with uh, some basic alcohol, a little bit of distilled water, and then like a mixture of all these different essential oils. And it actually smells mm. really good, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's nothing bad in it. Mm-hmm. you can be really creative you just have to sort of give yourself a kick up the bum you know what i mean <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you got to overcome that apathy yes yeah and that kind of leads into the whole um cosmetic industry too and uh all the toxins that are in cosmetics and like you said Doug you know and Elliot body creams and aftershaves and it's like you know it comes back to this whole thing of like dumbing down people Mm -hmm. it's like you know if they don't get you through your food and your water then you're applying these chemicals daily like 85,000 chemicals or something crazy like that you know and uh 
that that word natural can be really deceptive and it mm-hmm. seems to be like a, a meme now you know oh well i use this natural deodorant that's got aluminum in it and mm-hmm. <laughs> like the lady who well she's dead now i think but she got ovarian cancer from using johnson and johnson's talc powder yeah. as a, a hygiene yeah. product I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about smells before, but I think sometimes, I mean, nobody wants to stink, but I think sometimes you go in the opposite direction where you just smell like unnatural. I mean, who naturally smells <laughs> like talcum powder or perfume or anything? As long as you're oh clean, God. that should be enough. You don't have to smell like a rose garden. <laughs> yeah. No, Synthetic some, some rose garden. <laughs> Yeah. No, some of the guys around here who like just drench themselves in cologne, it's just disgusting. It's like, it just smells so unnatural and it's so disruptive. You know what I mean? Like if I'm sitting in a train car with somebody who's like drenched themselves in cologne, I'm changing cars, you know? <laughs> oh, what I like to say is, are you wearing excess? <laughs> <laughs> or when your grandma hugs you and you smell like her for the rest of the day. <laughs> she's wearing excess (laughs) exactly yeah no it's funny too because there's another deceptive way there are those terms like natural or like bio or something like that that kind of are used to be uh deceptive and make people think that they're they're putting on something that's okay for them or good for them um but also uh there's there's other things too where I see like somebody will have a like a chemical and there's a chemical name and then in brackets it'll say something like from coconut or from you know and it's coming from this natural thing so it's like oh okay well that's not so bad the sodium lauryl sulfate is coming from coconut it's like no it doesn't matter where it's coming from it's still a harmful chemical now, I mean unfortunately I mean there are books out there that you can get that kind of explain what some of these toxic substances are or there's always the internet and you can look these things up um and unfortunately it means that you're going to spend a whole lot of time in your like body care department or whatever like you know looking through all these things to find the one that's like the least harmful but unfortunately it kind of does get to that point where you kind of have to be like you know what um let's see which one doesn't have parabens in it and uh yeah you might be there for a while well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. interesting you mentioned that, Doug, because the Environmental Working Group has actually created a database where you can mm-hmm. look up all these products, and it's called Skin Deep, and they mm-hmm. have a rating system, and they list all the, the companies, and, and you'd be surprised, like, with those organic companies or those natural companies, how they do have a lot of these chemicals in there, but that database is actually really helpful especially for parents with children, you know. I mean, it's really sad to say um, how children born in America today, you know, are exposed to more chemicals than any other generation in history. And so on that Skin Deep database, you can look up baby products like Johnson & Johnson, you know what I mean? Because they they really control the baby market. Mm -hmm. I mean, they sell everything for babies. And so it's it's you know, a good outlet if you're interested and you want to know, and you would rather know than not know, is, mm-hmm. is to check out that Skin Deep database by the Environmental Working Group. Because as yeah. I said earlier, 84,000 chemicals 
and about only 1% are tested. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> do we want to yeah. go into the e-cigarettes? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Riff away, people. <laughs> Don't smoke them. <laughs> I don't even know if you'd call it smoking. <laughs> Vaporizing? This is totally unnatural. Yeah, just roll your own with additive-free, organically grown tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually surprised at how prominent this is becoming. I'm seeing people all over the place who have these little devices that they're sucking on and exhaling this vapor. It's uh, it, it, it just seems like it was just recently that I've, I've really started to see it kind of pick up steam, so to speak. Don't they, don't they have the flavored ones too? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they and do. They there's do. been these stories about the cigarettes blowing up in people's faces. Yes. Well, that's not cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. this Hong Kong, Hong Kong study which calls for a ban on e-cigs because they contain a million times more cancer-causing chemicals than polluted air. Uh, That's at least one million times more than the roadside air in Hong Kong. So this is what geez. people are smoking. Wow. And they have uh, and, uh, flame retardants in them, too. Oh, that's guess, good. To kind of keep the cigarettes from blowing up on people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so I'm your lungs fire. don't spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, there was, there was another study um, that showed that they also have highly reactive free radicals. And there was another one that, um, that I haven't got here right with me. But um, I did quite a lot of research into this before. And there's actually been shown to be uh, heavy metals in the vapor, mm. such as nickel and lead. Um, and I think that's probably because, like, the body of the actual vape pen is made up of lots of little sort of cheap um, metal compartments. <sighs> and the, the, the idea is, is that when you heat up um, your sort of liquid, because the way that it works is you basically heat up, there's like this little, um, this little device, it basically heats up the liquid and turns it into vapor at such a high temperature. But the idea is, is that when you heat up the metal to such a high temperature, it actually releases... Um, like lots of lots of metal into the vapor Jeez. so there's 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 heavy metals in there as well and i uh, this time last year or maybe two years ago i basically um i got one of these things my dad gave it me for christmas and i thought you know i'll see what the you know i'll see what the fun's about um i tried it and i found it yeah the hype i i, I tried it and i found it extremely addictive um, really? Is, yeah, yeah, so addictive. Because in my house, I can't smoke because I rent, and so it was too, <laughs> it was it was more effort for me to go all the way downstairs to go out for a cigarette rather than just vape on this pen. So I'd find <laughs> that I'd be smoking this thing all the time. But the thing is, huh. I get I got headaches, palpitations, tachycardia, lightheadedness. Um, I felt sick, and basically, it just made me really, really, really ill. And then huh. as soon as soon as I stopped smoking that, and I went back on to cigarettes, um, ev- all the symptoms completely subsided. So huh. I mean, that's that's just anecdotal, but um, those things really are toxic. Yeah. yeah. 
It's funny too that that uh, study was comparing it to roadside air in Hong Kong. Isn't Hong Kong one of the most polluted uh, (laughs) cities out there? So that's their baseline. Their baseline is a seriously, seriously (laughs) polluted city. And it's a million times stronger than that. Oh my God. At at least one million. At least. That was specifically clarified. Jeez. Uh, The sad thing is, is that so many people think that, like, they genuinely they genuinely believe that this is the healthier alternative. Yeah. Um, like at work, you know, so many people come up to me and they're like, hey, Elliot, stop smoking. Look, I gave up last week and I've got this pen. Just, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a face palm moment, you know, just slap my face with my hand. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell them how I'm feeling, but it's just like a crumble down inside. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I'll stick with the healthy alternative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. You know, it reminds me of the whole uh, light bulb thing, too, when everybody's out there switching to the the healthy alternative of the compact fluorescent bulbs that are giving (laughs) off, you know, mercury vapors and, like, EMFs and all these things. Oh, I'm saving the environment. Are you? Are you really? How are you going to dispose of that thing? I'm going to eat it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> much better you just break it and inhale the fumes I don't think that we should be scared at all because the FDA is going to protect us from all of that oh god yeah. oh yeah should we go there we should we go, go there? there yeah we okay. should go there so FDA big pharma illusion dummy America <laughs> so the FDA just approved uh, Robert Califf as the new commissioner. And so it's official now, as if we all doubted it for the last several years, that, uh, you know, the FDA now officially belongs to Big Pharma. (laughs) What was kind of frightening about this is that only four senators opposed the confirmation. And the only candidate to come out and speak about it was Bernie Sanders. But this guy is just evil. He's He's like the Monsanto of Big Pharma. Yeah. So he, um, it revealed in an article um, about Robert Califf approved as the next FDA commissioner uh, that uh, he was receiving money from 23 drug companies, including the giants like Johnson and Johnson, <laughs> Lilly, Merck, and um, he proudly touts that that yeah. that he's going to yeah. change things. You you want to go? Want to share, Tiffany? Yeah, he thinks that collaboration between the industry and regulators is a good thing. And he oh, was God. all for Vioxx, that horrible drug that killed all those people. And mm-hmm. he was also behind Zorelto, too. Um, and he used to work for this group called the Faculty Connection. And their mm-hmm. expertise is uh, FDA briefing reviews and other regulatory submissions, so they help companies get in with the FDA and get their drugs approved. Okay, this just makes me mad because this is completely unacceptable. Like, this is for me the perfect example of why it is an idiocracy, complete idiocracy. Like, it's just basics. It is unethical, immoral to have somebody with ties of the, to the industry mm-hmm leading something like the FDA. 
And it's just not 24 companies, big pharma companies that he's linked with. There is actually a corporate video that shows that he has served over 175 different pharma biotech medical device firms. Okay, you just cannot have somebody like this leading the FDA. It's just like impossible, but apparently it is not. Tell him, Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) How I really feel? (laughs) You Uh, shall not pass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the old uh, Dracula in charge of the blood bank. Mm Mm-hmm. The fox guarding the hen house. But this kind of thing has been going on for years. It's always been a revolving door between corporations and government. I mean, not just in Mm -hmm. uh, the health realm or the sickness realm, but like in banking and other corporations, too. They all do this. It's just Mm -hmm. the kind of world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's maybe just a bit more overt. Yeah. I mean, they they don't try to cover it up at all. They're just putting it out there. In and your face. Say, no, no, it's a good thing. <laughs> and this is our role model for mainstream medicine. No wonder, you know. No wonder. Yeah. Tell him, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot because I cannot find the beat. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Well, in the United States, there's more drug company lobbies than there are members of Congress. You know, so it's 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 a bought and paid for game. And with the the dying intellectualism in America, it's it's not really surprising. Yeah, who's going to challenge them? Well, that's just it. Nobody, other than the alternative media, and you don't have enough people behind that. Is uh, they're just crazy kooks and conspiracy theorists. What yeah, do they know? get out your tinfoil hat. We're wearing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any good news? <laughs> do we have some good news? Anybody have any enlightening good news? <laughs> well, I have one. Um. Mm-hmm. Low-salt diet increases cardiovascular mortality. That means we should not restrict our salt intake. That's good news. Yay! Yay! (laughs) 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 Well, it has to be unrefined salt, but, you know, there are even studies about this. Like, you can have up to three teaspoons and a half, and that is considered normal. It's okay mm. to have that. <laughs> yeah. With all the important processes that salt has in our body, it's it's just mind-blowing that this ever caught on as a therapeutic thing. You should restrict this vitally essential mineral from your diet. And there's been so and, many articles coming out recently about how salt is necessary and is good for you. And you go into a doctor's office and they're still touting that low salt stuff. That just is proof that they don't read. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like we were saying at the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, yes. I wonder if there's anybody who's made it through medical school without learning how to read. 
<laughs> well, you well, might at least they make it through without learning how to think. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots, lots of examples of that. It reminds me how I used to send articles from Sot that I thought it would be interest to a heart surgeon, you know, a, a friend, and he will tell me, Gabby, don't send me those articles. They're too long. Mm. (laughs) 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 yeah i mean all you have to do is look at the animal world to see how much they value salt you know you have all these uh problems in like kind of backwoods areas where the deer come up onto the road to to lick the salt in the winter time when they salt to melt the uh melt the snow and ice and there's all these deer that get hit because you know, you they they come up because they they you know they'll risk their lives to go and get some salt, but you know, no, we got to restrict our salt definitely. <laughs> so I think we have a caller. Uh-huh. Caller, hi, welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from France. <laughs> What's your name, caller? <laughs> My name is Joe. Hey Joe. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. You guys are doing a great job. <laughs> great. Getting lots of humor in there. <laughs> it's a necessity. Humor. <laughs> humor. humor Survival. Into, humor into a not not very funny not very funny topic otherwise, but yeah. yeah. So, I just want to I just want to say something on the salt thing. Um. Because uh, I was re- I was reading the uh, a story in the news from about a week ago or so that uh, I don't think it was the one Gabby was referring to specifically. It was one in the Independent from the 3rd of third of March, and it was just, the title was, No Proof That Salt Is Bad For Your Health. Uh, and health, uh, the sub, subtitle was, uh, Health Officials Simply Say There Is Robust Evidence, sorry, there is robust evidence linking high sodium intake to higher blood pressure, but the view among the scientific community is less clear cut. Mm. Uh, so basically you have health officials are saying that there's evidence, but these are health officials, i.e. government health officials who are saying that it, uh, that high sodium intake uh, is linked to higher blood pressure, but the scientific community, i.e. the people who do the research on your arteries and on, you know, have, have statistics on, on that kind of thing, they basically say no. So, but, uh, so apart from obviously there may be being some, you know, uh, reason why governments would want to push that line. What I'm confused about is, is really two things. Why would, uh, anybody, uh, at this point, um, why would any government official want to kind of limit the amount of salt that people are intaking? Uh, and, and secondly, um, if there isn't any clear-cut evidence that it's bad for your health, how did it ever get to the point where? Because I know that uh, from personally and from you know from growing up and people, you know, my parents and all sorts of people, that everybody uh, frowned when I put salt on my food. You know, it seemed to just catch on like it was like a meme that got out there, and everybody just knew that salt was going to give you a heart attack. You know, and uh, um, but I'm, I'm just wondering. Where this, if there is no, and I see this all the time with, uh, with, with other, you know, so-called, uh, official lines on, on what's good and bad for human health is, is that, um, at one point they said definitively this, like with, for example, with fat, fat was going to give you a heart attack. 
but now they're saying, well, not so much. And my question is, how did that ever get out there and become common knowledge that salt or fat or whatever was bad for your health if there never was any hard scientific evidence to back it up? How did that happen? It's the dummy ultra-processed people. <laughs> Who knows the salt is bad for you origin story? I can't yeah. remember it, but I, well, I think the, the reasoning behind it is that salt makes you retain water, therefore it increases yeah. your blood pressure. Therefore, if you have high blood pressure, you will have a heart attack and die. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. I think only so that, Go well, ahead, I was just going to add that only that the body has uh, physiological feedback mechanisms then when salt is restricted, it will increase blood pressure. You know, that's a physiological um, fact. When it's restricted. <laughs> Did you yeah, say when, when salt, it's restricted? Oh. When salt is restricted, then the body, you know, has a physiological mechanism that will increase blood pressure, you know. Right. So if you take salt, it'll increase your blood pressure. If you don't take it, it'll increase your blood pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right. Thank. Oh it's like thanks, health. Thanks, I, health. I hope we cleared that up for you, Joe. Thanks for calling. <laughs> all right. Perfect. That's all I wanted to hear. That is all a load of crap. There's actually a really Bye. good article. Um, Gary Taubes wrote a, wrote a really good article. Um, it was a while back. Um, I think it was like 2011, um, and it was called "The Political Science of Salt," and he actually goes into the whole history of. Um, calling for um, salt restriction. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I haven't read it in a while, but basically what it came down to is that there's, the, you know, they'll have these panels put together of all these experts to figure out why some sort of health uh, thing is, you know, some, you know whatever is, it happens to be plaguing the population at the moment, why this is going on. And there's an incredible amount of pressure on those panels to come up with an answer. And, you know, basically what they do is they look at all these different evidence and, and then they just kind of pick one and they go with it. Same thing happened with fat, actually, and the, the whole uh, low-fat um, diet as, as a, a solution to the uh, heart disease epidemic. Um, you know, basically, they, you get a bunch of experts in a room and uh, they all kind of uh, weigh in on what they think is causing the problem and they look at the, the science and... Unfortunately, very rarely it seems do do uh, you know the more saner heads prevail, and uh, they just kind of take up some sort of mantle and say, "Well, this this is what's causing the problem," and then you know it, it goes out to the public and and all these different uh, government bodies uh, take it up and you know have these campaigns to reduce salt or reduce fat or whatever the case may be. But uh, you know, rarely is it the case that they actually have found the actual cause. Uh, you know, there's more pressure on them to come up with some answer and just put it out there. And this is the problem. Everybody, you know, everybody has to change their behavior in this way. And then, uh, then, then we'll curb this, uh, this epidemic, which of course never happens. Yeah. It's like, um, that's, that's the argument between a, a conspiracy theory and an incompetency theory. You know, yeah. that, that, but it's hard, it's hard to, if you look at the kind of food that people have been fed over the past, um, you know, particularly the past 50 or 60 years, the Western diet and how bad it is and how they've cut out all sorts of natural products like you know, natural healthy fats and salt and, and different things like that and, and replace them with synthetic crap. Uh, mm. It's really it's really hard. I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose you could 
blame it on just incompetency, but I think there's a lot of financial interest and there has been mm-hmm. financial interest over the years in terms of being able to produce um, for much cheaper uh, these kind of synthetic foods effectively and, and market them to people and you make more money, right? So, I mean, there's probably a, a motivation there to uh, a financial motivation and just a complete lack of care for or, or you know, consideration for people's health or what it might, might uh, do to people's health. Yeah. And I think it, it probably the salt lobby is not as big as the other lobbies. So yeah. it's kind of like they get thrown under the bus. It's kind of like, oh, we need an excuse for why people are dropping dead. Uh, oh, salt lobby's not salt. that big. Sorry, guys. You're, you're, yeah. you're getting thrown to the, you're getting thrown to the wolves there. But on the salt thing, don't, don't, they, don't, they, go ahead, Elliot. No, I was just going to say, I think a lot of the time also is that, um, they'll spot a correlation. And they'll see this a few times, but then they automatically imply causation. And mm-hmm. um, the problem is you just can't do that. You simply can't do that. But the problem is, is I think that if they didn't have a scapegoat like salt or fat to blame, then you would probably have to look at other lifestyle factors such mm-hmm. as pesticides. You know, um, we've got GMOs now. We've got high carbohydrate diet, gluten, blah, 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 blah. Everything else dairy even everything else that contributes to these health issues they need a scapegoat to mm-hmm. prevent researchers from actually looking at what else it could possibly be you know yeah you mm-hmm. need something easy a real quick pat answer otherwise you have to look into the nuances and all the other contributing factors and that's just too hard yeah, yeah. but when you go into a hospital you know if you're in a bad condition and you're rushed into a hospital don't they set you up with a saline drip they usually? sure do <laughs> 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 uh, right. Well, I mean, there's grounds right there to kind of accuse the doctors of, you know, if 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 somebody dies or something in a hospital, you can sue them afterwards, you know, for, for can you just, can you kill me with that saline drip you stuck in me. Yeah, that's the first thing salt. they do. They just hook you up to a saline drip, and it brings yeah, your blood yeah. pressure down. And it's been shown to decrease seizures, decrease migraines, and decrease blood sugar. Because salt, who's making money from all that stuff? Yeah. Salt detoxifies. Salt detoxifies, you know. It's like, it's the last thing we wanted to remove from our diets. I don't know, Gabby. My doctor told me otherwise, so I I think you're wrong. Be funny if you were in hospital getting on a saline drip or something and and they, they they give you some food. You know, and, and, and you wanted to put some salt on it, and they said, no, don't put salt on that. It's really bad for you. I need to slick over the drip. Can I squirt? Maybe you could say, can I squirt some of this drip bag on my food then instead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you, did you guys, have you guys. Seen the stuff about beer and the amount of glycosphate, the the pesticide that's in basically every beer. Did you guys talk about that already? No, we didn't. We didn't talk no, about beer specifically, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's because we don't story. drink, Joe. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I don't tell anybody you do. Uh, no, I was just I was in the news recently about the, the beer and uh, they t- tested 16 different German beers, but I think it's pretty much in every beer everywhere, you know, because it's most of them use wheat. To, to produce beer and that wheat is just all just contaminated with glycosphate and it's getting into the beer so uh, I wonder if that's what actually gives you hangovers it's not the beer it's not the alcohol uh, it's the, that's what it's gives the you the beer belly <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> well, they also use fish bladder in beer, if you can believe that, to make mm. it clear and not cloudy. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's probably the uh, that's probably the most nutritional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds organic to me. Go for it. Wait, do, they amp- okay. do they empty? Do they empty the bladder first? And whose job is that? <laughs> fish bladder. Fishmonger. <laughs> oh, it, should, it should have salt. It sounds pretty safe to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we can get back to to the idiocracy, yeah. I, I have a story to share. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, guys. Uh, great show and uh, keep it up. Thanks for calling. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. But uh, when I was in school, I was thinking of uh, doing a pre-med degree because I thought about hmm, it might be nice. I might want to become a doctor. And I was <laughs> talking with my mother's friend who was a doctor, and I was telling him about this. I said, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about going to be, become a doctor. But I'm kind of scared, you know, because I don't know if I'm smart enough to be a doctor. And he said to me, you don't have to be smart to be a doctor. <laughs> and I said, you will never be my doctor. <laughs> That's a good one. Sage wisdom right from the horse's uh, mouth. That is scary. That was really yeah. scary. <laughs> well, it reminds me of the story my uncle told me, like, you know, people that are not smart, they're the ones that have to go to university. <laughs> <laughs> to learn to be smart <laughs> or to unlearn <laughs> yeah that's more likely yeah the way the education system is yeah yeah I wonder if they have school for learning to become a, an angry idiot it's angry idiot school that's called television that's how you'll excel <laughs> yeah I guess that's true yeah yeah. You know, actually, one thing I wanted to say about the salt. Um, sorry if I'm going back to this topic again, but uh, it, it, it kind of occurs to me that, um, you know, all the, the, the negative press and all the negative findings and stuff is talking about table salt. Yeah. And I think it needs to be emphasized that table salt actually is really bad for you. You know, your typical yeah. kind of iodized table salt that, that you find on the market and most restaurants and everything uses this table salt. Uh, that stuff is really bad for you. You know, it's got all these uh, added chemicals and things into it, particularly flow agents. They add stuff in to make it so the salt is no longer uh, no longer attracts water, so it doesn't clump, and so that'll pour nicely out of your salt shaker. And uh, you know, by altering the salt in that way, it no longer serves the proper function in the body that it's supposed to. Like salt is supposed to attract water; that's what your body uses it for. But you know, using mm-hmm. table salt, um, it, it's no wonder that if people are like you know, piling on the table salt, yeah, that's going to be bad for you. It's going to have negative effects. But if you use like a natural salt, like a sea salt or a real salt or Himalayan salt or whatever, whatever the case may be, that still has all its normal properties of what a salt should do. So, um, you know, I, I know just from personal experience, um, I was in a restaurant recently and I, you know, put salt on my food and unfortunately it was just normal table salt. And I found that no amount of salt that I was adding seemed to be enough. 
it was like, this is not giving, like, you know, it's like my body, like my taste receptors weren't, my, were, were just like, no, we need more salt. This isn't, this isn't giving us what we need. There's no minerals in here. So it, I, it, it's no wonder that people kind of keep on jacking and jacking up their salt. The same the with food. Salt. It is incredible that we have to specify that, but yeah, like refined salt, you know, it's not natural salt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, mean, I have a question. Oh, go on, Ellie. No, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that it's um, it's like that with a lot of things. It's like um, when you get natural salt, it will um, be present with like a full spectrum of other minerals, like cofactors for the salt almost. You know, it's not just sodium chloride. You know, you mm -hmm. don't get just sodium chloride in nature. Um, you're not designed to eat sodium chloride by itself you're meant to have it with magnesium potassium you know all of these different, <laughs> yeah. different minerals mm -hmm. and it's it's like that with um with you know with a lot of a lot of other supplements as well like people just think that you can eat a really crap diet but then if you take a few supplements and you sort of you know you get your magnesium in and you know you get your vitamin c and you get your vitamin d then you're automatically going to be healthy But the fact is that nature has provided these things for us in their sort of, um, you know, natural state. And they're meant to come from the diet. They're meant to come in how they are, how they were designed to come in. And if mm -hmm. you continually take things that aren't in the way that nature designed them to be, there is obviously going to have, um, you know, implications for your body. So if I take some yep. natural salt on my Big Mac, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be dumb. <laughs> That's the key right there. Erica. You figured it out. Don't forget the Diet Coke to reduce your consumption. <laughs> Just take fish oil afterwards. That'll be fine. <laughs> well, if if yeah. nobody has anything else to add of good news or bad news or the dumbing down, We're going to take this opportunity to play our pet health segment from Zoya. Okay. Cool. Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya, and today I would like to share with you several interesting animal-related news. First item deals with mountain lions in California. Apparently, big cats would rather not work too hard for their meals, and many are incorporating easier-to-catch pets into their diet. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, of the 107 mountain lions that were killed in 2015 with special depredation permits, the stomach contents of 83 were analyzed, and 52% had eaten cats, dogs, or other domestic animals. Deer, which is supposedly mountain lion's favorite prey, Uh, though they are harder to catch than a house pet, had only been eaten by 5% of the cats studied. Of the remaining mountain lions in the report, uh, 60%, 16% weren't studied, 9% had empty stomachs, and the stomach contents of 80%, 18% were too digested to be identified. Uh, hypothetically, if pets could also account for a portion of the diet in the 18% of cats who, whose diet couldn't be digested, 
then more than 60% of cats had turned to domestic animals as a food source. The report verified the high incidence of mountain lions eating pets and coyotes and other predators also attack and eat pets at high levels. The agency also cautions pet owners to keep their cats indoors and uh, to leash dogs when outside in areas near open space and to monitor them in the backyard late at night. So yeah, something to keep in mind and be careful. Second item talks about hemp products and the benefits for pets, particularly when it comes to relieving pain. According to the survey published recently in the Journal of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, 64% of dog owners and 66% of cat owners felt that the consumption of hemp products helped their pets either moderately or to a great degree. 632 people responded to the survey with uh, 457 using or having used a hemp product for their dog and 104 people using or having used a hemp product for their cat. In addition to the relief from pain, 51% of the dogs and 44% of the cats were perceived by the owners as having either moderately or greatly improved sleep habits from the use of hemp products. Uh, when it comes to anxiety, uh, 49% of dog owners reported uh, that the hemp products help moderately or to a great degree. For reducing inflammation in cats, owners perceived the products were similarly helpful in 56% of the felines. The most common side effects reported by, by both dog and cats uh, owners were sedation and overactive appetite. So this is something to keep in mind and research. Another news item talks about horses and about something horse owners probably knew all along. According to researchers at the University of uh, Sussex, uh, horses can read human facial expressions. For the first time, horses have been shown to be able to distinguish between angry and happy human facial expressions. Psychologists studied how 28 horses reacted to seeing photographs of positive versus negative human facial expressions. When viewing angry faces, horses looked more with their left eye, a behavior associated with perceiving negative stimuli. Their heart rate also increased more quickly and they showed more stress-related behaviors. The study concluded that uh, this response indicates that the horse uh, uh, had a functionally relevant understanding of the angry faces that uh, they were seeing. The effect of facial expressions on heart rate has not been seen before in interactions between animals and humans. What's really interesting about this research is that it shows that horses have the ability to read emotions across the species barrier. We have known for a long time that horses are a socially sophisticated species, but this is the first time it has been shown that they can distinguish between positive and negative human facial expressions. The reaction to the angry facial expression was particularly clear. There was a quicker increase in the heart rate and the horses moved their head to look at the angry face um, with the left eye. 
uh, research shows that many species view negative events uh, with the left eye due to the right brain hemisphere specialization for processing threatening stimuli. Information from the left eye is processed uh, in the right hemisphere, just a note. It's interesting uh, that the horses had a strong reaction to the negative expression, but uh, less so to the positive. This may be because it is particularly important for animals to recognize threats in their environment. In this context, uh, recognizing angry faces may act as a warning system, allowing horses to anticipate negative human behavior, uh, such as rough handling. So be careful if you see your horse looking at you with, a le with he its left eye. Uh, there are several possible explanations to the findings. Horses may have adapted uh, an ancestral ability for reading emotional cues in other horses to respond appropriately, uh, also to human facial expressions during their co-evolution. Alternatively, individual horses may have learned to interpret human expressions during their own lifetime. What's interesting is that accurate assessment of a negative emotion is possible across the species barrier despite the dramatic difference in facial morphology between horses and humans. Next item is about cats, particularly fat cats. Recent Cornell University study titled Owner's Perception of Changes in Behaviors Associated with Dieting in Fat Cats tried to answer the question, will your cat hold it against you if you put it on a restricted diet for weight loss? Turns out that it doesn't seem to be the case. Researchers hypothesized that pet owners are hesitant to put their cats on a diet because they think that cats will beg and become less affectionate. Cat owners held on to the idea that the cat would develop annoying behaviors or even worse, would no longer love them, according to the study. And yet, of the cat study, the majority actually increased the affectionate behavior post-feeding, even though the food was restricted. The 47 cats that participated were classified as obese and didn't have any other abnormalities on their physical exam or blood work. Owners were required to bring their cats to be weighted every four weeks during the study. Cats' feeding behavior can be divided into three phases, the study says. Uh, appetitive behavior, consumatory behavior, and uh, satiety. Feeling appetitive behavior hasn't been widely documented, but could include biting or pouncing on the caretakers or vocalization. Satiety behaviors include playful behavior, rest, or elimination behavior, um, according to the study. Before starting uh, the study, cat owners completed the survey about the cat's behavior when it was hungry and when it was satiated. The service were given again um, at four and eight weeks into the study. Each question asked whether the behavior had been displayed more, less, or the same since the diet had begun. Most of the cats showed an increase and then decrease in begging, following, meowing, or pacing before being fed. But there was generally not a change in the type of aggressive behavior, uh, appetitive behavior displayed, just a change in frequency. The median time at which the behavior started was 16 to 45 minutes before feeding. 
When compared to the behavior before restrictive feeding, the cats were much more likely to have increased purring, sitting in the owner's lap, resting and using the litter box after feeding at four or eight weeks or both. They were also more affectionate at both four and at eight weeks. Uh, something that the researchers found uh, could help encourage owners to put their cats on a diet. And the last item is about dogs. New research conducted uh, in the UK has revealed that almost half of UK dog owners talk to their pets more than to their partner. 41% of Brits admitted to having more conversation with a four-legged friend than their beloved, while 40% said they would be more likely to share their deepest secrets with a pooch than anyone else. The study also found that average dog owner spends 47 minutes talking to the canine companion each day. Brits even love their dogs so much they pose for more photos with them than with partners, friends and children combined, with the average owner taking six uh, snaps of their pet every week. And 81% of animal lovers questioned said they felt happier after a chat with a furry sidekick, with 65% admitting their dog is their best uh, friend in the world. More than 86% of respondents said uh, their dog is always there for them when they need someone. Almost every owner questioned, uh, meaning 96%, said their dog was a part of the family, not just a pet, and nearly as many, 84%, said their dog cheers them up when they are feeling down. This research also doesn't reveal anything new, but it should make us wonder about the quality of our relationships. Well, this is it for today. Hope you found the information interesting. Have a nice weekend and goodbye. Well, I think I, I need to go have a chat with my dog now. <laughs> <laughs> And I need to put my cat on the diet. <laughs> I'm feeling a little down from the news. Maybe they'll cheer me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and our chatters here. And if nobody else has anything to add, we want to make sure to tell you to tune in tomorrow. For the Truth Perspective, Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and behind the headlines on Sunday at noon. And what's, what's our phrase for today? <laughs> or highly processed? Angry? Highly processed people and angry dummies. Yeah, don't be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Read this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We still got about seven more months, eight more months. <laughs> you can fit at least one book in there. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you all, and we hope you have a wonderful weekend. See Bye, you everybody. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.